Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 27th day of September in 2013. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter Into Action, and we are on page 86, the third paragraph that begins in thinking about our day. And today's readers are 12 Steps, Margaret K, 12 Traditions, Crystal, and then Katie G, Helena, Kim, and Sharon. And the share code for yesterday, Thursday the 26th of September, is 5211. Oh, I preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Margaret Kay if she would read the 12 steps, please. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Margaret Kay, recovered in South Jersey. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, NAPS. Thank you, Margaret Kay. I will now ask Crystal to read the 12 traditions, please. Good morning. This is Crystal, recovered compulsive overeater. The Twelve Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. First, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Second, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God 
as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Third, the only requirement for OE membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Fourth, our group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Fifth, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Sixth, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seventh, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eighth, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Ninth, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Tenth, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleventh, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelfth, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thank you, Crystal. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature. Excuse me. Then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your commenting be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in uh, the chapter into action. We are on page 86, and we are starting with the third paragraph that begins in thinking about our day. And I would am going to ask Katie G to please start reading for us. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, grateful from Boston, Mass. In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. Here we ask God for inspiration, an intuitive thought, or a decision. 
we relax and take it easy, we don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while. What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. Great paragraph, and I read it this morning. Um, Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. I love, love, love these pages. Um, It's all about maintaining my conscious contact with God. And um, this is what I do. These are my directions, right? So I've got to my 11th step, and I've woken up in the morning, and I've thanked God for this opportunity to show up and uh, be divorced from self. And now I'm being challenged with, you know, what do I, so what am I, what, what are my marching orders for the day? And often I do have indecision. Okay, well, how am I going to handle my relationship with this guy I'm dating? Or how am I going to show up to this meeting that I have with my boss who I know is about to give me additional feedback about things that I'm not doing well? And, um, you know, my old motto was to try harder and, you know, try and figure it all out. But it's not saying that, right? It's saying we ask God for inspiration and intuitive thought or decision. So, you know, my sponsor said to me, don't try harder. Ask God for help, you know. And a lot of times it's like, okay, God, what's the next right thing? Show me the next right thing. And, you know, a lot of times if I have something fearful, like if I have to show up for that meeting with my boss, I'm like, God, please, you know, speak through me. Help me shine your love. Help me show up and, and be a woman of honor, dignity, and grace. Help me look this person in the eye and not react out of fear. And I love, um, you know, that I don't have to figure it out, right? There's no chapter in the big book called Into Figuring It Out. What I've been taught through my fellowship is it's all into showing up. And how am I going to show up? I'm going to relax. I'm going to take it easy. And I love this line about being inexperienced. You know, like, I want to be a super experienced graduate student, you know, of life right away. And uh, I don't want to make any mistakes. And, um, you know, I love that it says we have absurd actions and ideas. And recently um, I have been dating this person, and, and the absurd action and idea, this, like, God hunch that I had is that I was so recovered that somehow I just didn't really, you know, I wasn't all that obsessed about him, and I didn't really want to date him, and when he came over, I wasn't really that excited, but that's because God had, like, neutralized this relationship, and that was, like, my thinking with God. Like, I sat there, and that was kind of my hunch and whatever, and, you know, the best part about this program is we continue, we continue, we continue. So yesterday, in quiet time and in talking with other recovered women, I realized, no, you know what? I'm just not that into them, you know? And, like, no damage was done, right? Like, I got to see that, you know, I wasn't showing up um, in the way God wanted me to. And the best part about my relationship with God is, like, he didn't cut me off and say, you know, you're inexperienced. You get an F. You don't get to show up again, you know? Like, I get more opportunities. You know, you know, being inexperienced is just lacking knowledge. But every time I show up, right, for the job that I'm scared of, for the class that I'm afraid of, for the relationship I don't want to be 
you know, I don't want to make myself vulnerable. And I gain knowledge and experience, right? And then I get to show up and be a human being. And, and, I, and, I, and it's true. My thinking as time passes becomes something I can rely on. But again, I want to say, you know, the main problem starts in my mind. So I, I commune with God and I also talk to my sponsor and other recovered women and I say, this is what I'm thinking for the day. This is what's going on. So um, I love this 11 step. I never knew what other people did when they got up in the morning or how to handle my day. And this, the brilliant thing about this book is not only does it teach me how to stop eating and to stay stopped, it teaches me how to live my whole life, which is how to stop eating and how to stay stopped, but like really literal directions. So if you're not doing this, you're missing out on a wonderful opportunity to connect with God. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone like, would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Penny E. I heard Penny and someone else. Kim. Kim. Okay. Penny E. and then Kim. Good morning, everybody. Monica, thank you so much for your service. I love this this uh, section of the big book, but I love them all, right? Um, the thing that I am looking at here this morning is on page 87. It is not probable that we're going to be inspired at all times. So what does that mean to me? It means that I can expect not being perfect. I can expect putting my foot in my mouth. I can expect you know, some of the character defects to flare up each day. And when they do, thank you, God. Uh, you know, we use the word perfect very uh, easily, readily in this program. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. And there was a bunch of... Um, people a while back who actually used that phrase in, uh, in connection to their abstinence, their food. And I just want to remind everybody uh, that on page 68 in the 12 and 12, it says very clearly, only step one where we made the 100% admission we were powerless over alcohol can be practiced with absolute perfection. Only step one, it said. The remaining 11 steps state perfect ideals. They are goals towards which we look and the measuring sticks by which we estimate our progress. Far out, you know. I cannot be perfect in any of these steps. But step one, I don't even use the word perfect. I, use, I do it correctly. Every single day I do it correctly. The other thing that just really popped out to me today and... Um, is that every paragraph we've read, every single paragraph we've read uh, on page uh, 86, 87, takes us right back to God. They're telling us what to do at night. It takes us to God. We ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures. The next paragraph, before we begin, we ask God. You know, the next paragraph, here we ask God for inspiration. The next paragraph... Uh, it's here, it's here. Um, we usually uh, conclude the period of meditation with a prayer. To whom? To God. To God, to God, to God. It just keeps the, every single paragraph. To God, to God, to God. Clear-cut directions. I love you, everybody. Have a God-filled day. Thank you, Penny. Kim, go ahead. 
Good morning, Monica. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim Jean. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I always smile when I when I read this um, line every morning. It says, in thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may. I face indecision all day long. You know, so what did I do prior to doing this work? What happened when I faced indecision? So I'm going to bring us back to 61 before we made that decision to turn our life and our will over to God, before we've taken those action steps. So what was my basic trouble? What happened when I faced indecision? It says on page 61, wasn't I really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? Was I not a victim of a delusion that I could wrest satisfaction and happiness out of life as long as I manage well? Is it not evidence to all the rest of the players that these are the things that I want? Do not my actions make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching up all they can to get out of the show? Am I not, even in the best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? So that is why when I face indecision, that's what I used to do. And now that I've been through that work, and as Penny said, what we're going to do is we're going to ask God. Because what am I doing when I ask God? When I ask God, I'm admitting that I am powerless and cannot do that and that I need this power. So I'm going to ask God for inspiration and intuitive thought or a decision. I'm going to relax and take it easy and I'm not going to struggle. Because I recognize today as I face indecision, if I'm in fear and anger and anxiety, that is a sure sign that I'm relying on Kim's power. That is a sure sign that I'm in self-will. Because I'm in line with my higher power. If I'm in alignment with God, what's going to happen? I'm going to relax. I'm going to take it easy. And I'm not going to struggle. And I'll be surprised how the right answers will come after I've tried this for a while. So try it. You'll like it, like that old life commercial. You know, we were told in step three we have to sincerely take such a position. What is that position? That God is the director and I am the actress. That God is the employer and I am the employee. That God is the, is the uh, let's get the other comparison, God is the father and I am the child. So that's what we're reminding ourselves in the morning and at night. We're going to take such a position so that we can go throughout our day, we can relax, take it easy, and not struggle. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Star one to unmute. Hannah from Denver. Hi, it's Leanne. I heard Hannah and then Leanne. Go ahead, Hannah. Hi, I'm Hannah. I'm a compulsive eater. And um, what this paragraph reminds me, it, it, you know, it keeps me out of other people's business <laughs> of trying to figure out what other people are doing. And it just, it, it focuses me on what is the next right thing for me to do past. Thank you, Hannah. Leanne, go ahead. I just have a quick comment. Um, um, the line that says, um, God gave us brains so that we can use them, and it's all about, you know, giving my thoughts over to God. And I um, often like to say to God, you know, you gave me a brain so you can use it. 
you use my brain because the way I use my brain has never been very productive or good. And I like to, um, all the things that we're talking about, constantly bringing ourselves back to him. You know, dear God, please use my brain today. You use it. Give him, give him my brain because my thinking is very dark and negative and I catch myself in it a lot of times today. I think it's the nature of an addict. We're just so, so low, dark. It's amazing where my head goes. And then I catch myself and I remember, oh, yeah, I gave my brain to God today. and He is not down. Everything about God is up. It's not down. So those, those um, re- reading this every morning just continually reminds me again and then again at night. God is up and downward thoughts are not of him. And sometimes it's good good for me to just talk out loud positive stuff, the opposite of what my head is telling me, so that my ears can hear it, you know, like if I'm in the car or whatever. You know, thank you, God, for this day. Thank you, God, that I'm abstinent. Thank you, God, for this program. Whatever I can say, that's positive. And then I feel like that's how I'm giving my brain to him for him to use. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Leanne. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Margaret. Melanie. Margaret, and I heard someone else. Melanie. Melanie. Margaret and then Melanie. Go ahead, Margaret. Good morning. Good morning, Vision, for you. Uh, Good morning, Monica. Uh, I just love this. You know, what's there not to love here? Thank God we have another way of living. What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes working part of the mind. You know, and I, I think that for me, these words, like, that they will materialize, uh, you know, if we work for them, and gradually becomes a working part of the mind. They were always promises for me, you know. I, that's what kept me going, you know, because I just realized. And the other word that I really loved here, where it says, we might pay for the presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas, but nevertheless, I always hung on to the word nevertheless, because even if I was paying for those uh, presumption, my presumptions, I did believe that nevertheless we find that our thinking will, as time passes, become more and more on the plane of inspiration and we can come to rely on it. And today, thank God, I can rely on it. And, you know, in the 12 and 12 of AA, I think it, it says somewhere it, that this is a fascinating journey. And it is a fascinating journey. When I think about where I was even a month ago, two months ago, six months ago, a year ago, and I can really see that I am much more spiritually fit. You know, my mind is more on a spiritual plane. Of course it goes back. It always goes back until the negative thinking. And as Katie said, it is a challenge to do this kind of work every day, every day, every day, to get up and to get on my knees, you know, and to actually begin to to pray the third and the seventh step prayer and the Francis prayer or whatever prayers that you pray and to do it on a consistent basis and then to realize that my mind is being changed, you know. My mind is really, really being changed. And I can catch, as, as people were saying, I can catch myself when it goes into the darkness, which it always will. But I can catch it so much quicker. And I can, you know, turn to God and ask him to and pray and ask him to take me out of that darkness. This is a fascinating journey. I hope any of you don't miss it. Just stay around, you know, every day, every day, every day. Just do it. Just do the work. Get on your knees or however you pray. Begin to pray and ask God to change your thinking. And that that is where the miracle is. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret. Melanie, go ahead. Thank you, Margaret. 
Hi, this Melanie is Melanie. And go ahead, Melanie, and then we'll have Elaine. Thank you. Good morning. Um, my name is Melanie. I'm a recovery compulsive overeater in Oregon, and um, I'm going to try to add something more. Margaret did a beautiful job, um, and thank you for that. I look at this as a whole, this particular paragraph as a whole, and I get um, direction and inspiration and encouragement and assurance and then the idea of a transformation and exactly basically what um, Margaret was saying. What I do with it specifically is that I, um, I learn something about myself, most importantly in terms of caution, is that I am still inexperienced. And I'm still trying to come to a way in which I can work with the power greater than myself. I'm having to shift from one concept that I used all my life to a brand new one, not an easy thing to do. So I'm encouraged by my fellows to kind of work this thing out with maybe other fellows before I get into something because I'm inexperienced and I have a mind that doesn't process reality so that I would talk these things out to minimize the, the caution of doing something stupid again. I'll use that word. I hope it's not offensive to anybody for myself because I step in it all the time and that it continues to tell me that I am going to, as we've read, you know, in 85 and 86 years, that I'm going to. That's the whole purpose of 10 and 11. I'm going to step in it again. Yet I have now, up against what I used to do and sometimes still do, a place and a formula in which to do that, to safeguard myself and, quite frankly, other people from, people from myself and a, and a process in which to do this. But the inspiration is that I will come to find that my thinking is elevated to a much more um, loving place of inspiration, and I would say that would be my leaning towards a power greater than myself and that I can have that reassurance that I will re- can come to rely on it. But in caution, not all the time and every day in every way that I can consult um, a a core group of of folks that I do and my network of strong folks that have walked in or not in the middle of it that can see a a different perspective um, than I do. And I'm very grateful. This is a set of directions. What I was doing before um, and then clean up what I continue to do now on a daily basis. And this particular paragraph helps bring it down to a, a, a... a reassurance that's more palatable because as Margaret was saying, it, it, and then obviously Ken, uh, Katie, it is a big deal. Most of us are not willing to do this. But because of the evidence of the transformation, I can, and I do want that attached. Thanks, Monica. Thank you, Melanie. Elaine, go ahead, Elaine. Hi, this is Elaine, Recover Compulsive Overeater from Massachusetts. And um, what this paragraph and really this whole section says to me is again and again, the place that my own best thinking got me in the food, in, in crunches at work, crunches with family, crunches in relationships, crunches in marriage, you know, uh, just a few uh <laughs> At the end of page 87, it talks about being agitated or doubtful get, and, and being and excited and anxious and fear. And um, self-will run riot. 
And I just love the fact that I don't need to know it all, that I don't need to trust and rely on my own thinking anymore, that I don't have to have all the answers ahead of time, that I can just pause. I can turn things over to God. If I have indecision, if I don't know the best answer, I don't have to just keep running, just keep pushing through, just keep running into walls, banging into doors, stepping on the toes of my fellows so that they retaliate. I can stop and trust and rely on a power greater than myself that through this book has shown me over and over and over again, when I say thy will not mine be done, that uh, my loving God is going to direct me into that will. That it's not like he's standing back with his arms folded watching me to see if I figure it out, to see if I get it right. But when I say, I will not mind be done, if I face indecision, that the more and more I do this, that intuitive thought or action is going to come. I'm going to get that place of peace, that place of, that sense of direction, that sense of knowing what to do. And um, so I just want to thank everybody who's on these meetings and sharing their experience, strength, and hope, because it's through these meetings that I gain confidence that, yes, there is a way of life. Yes, this is going to work for me, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, that God can be my director. God can be my guide. I do not have to live by self-will run riot. I don't have to step on the toes of my fellows. And when I do, I have something I can do to make amends, that I can turn it around, that I can look at my side of the street and find a better way. And um, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine. And this is Monica, and I'd like to jump in here for a moment. So here we are on step 11, you know, step 11, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And, um, and we're, giving, we're being given instructions here, explicit instructions, wonderful instructions on what we should be doing, on awakening, you know, on awakening, turning to God when we retire at night turning to God, you know, the whole um, process here, the whole underneath everything here is God, it's God, it's God. And if we want to continue to keep what he has given us by the time we have finished our amends and ninth step promises, we've got to live 10, 11, and 12 every day. And so I love this. It's given me explicit directions on what to do on awakening in the morning. You know, we are in the chapter into action. Well, I am being given some more actions here. I'm given the, being given the action of praying. But even more important, I'm being given the action of pausing. I never paused about anything before, you know. Something came into my head, I mouthed it out, you know. Whether I hurt you or anybody else, I didn't care how it came. I didn't pause and think before I, that, that thing jumped off the counter down my throat. There was no pausing. And here I'm learning a new action. Pause, Monica. When I have indecision, pray. Pause. Take that moment to pause and pray. Ask God and then let it go. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. So I don't have to be listening to all the chatter in my head. Let it go and, and go, move on and, let, and wait and see. Oh, that's a big one. Wait and see, Monica, what you hear. 
Monica, will you shut up and listen? You know, pause, Monica. So this is a big thing for me. Pause. And this is something we need to practice daily, you know. And when I do, and I'm asking God every day, and asking him, thy will, what is thy will for, for me today? What would you like me to do today? With time, this gets better and better and better. And on looking back, I see so much more today than I did a year ago or two years ago. And it is turning everything to God because my experience and my history has showed me over and over and over again that I cannot trust my unhealthy mind. I am powerless and I need a power that's greater than me. And by the time I've come to step 11, I cannot deny that a power greater than I has brought me on this road. It's so awesome. So wherever you are, get on these steps and start trudging this road with us. It's wonderful. And would anyone else like to share on this paragraph here before we move on to the next one? Okay, so I'll take it that we will move on. And Helena, can you read the next paragraph, please? Hi, this is Helena. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. We usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no request for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. I'm Helena, recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. And I just want to say a couple of things about this wonderful paragraph, which is wonderful as all of them have been. It's uh, telling me that I can easily see why I should never pray for my own selfish ends. And all I can say is that I always found this very amusing because I could never see why. Why shouldn't I pray for what I need? Why shouldn't I pray for what I want? Um, I do notice now that at the beginning of On Awakening, the paragraph that tells us what to do when we wake up, also closes with the same idea. We are selfish and that our thinking can very easily drift into dishonest and self-seeking motives. At the beginning, when we first consider our day, we, we talk about asking God to remove self-seeking motives. At the end, when we're concluding with a period of meditation, which will slow us down if, we're maybe having one, if I'm maybe having one of those hunches that is kind of absurd, maybe a moment of meditation at the very end uh, will slow Helena down. Helena doesn't ever slow down. Helena always swings into action. Helena gets through this as quickly as possible, you know, and then this period of meditation. Once again, I'm asking for what I asked for in the beginning, Freedom from self-will. I find that although really, here I am, step 11, we're still going back to, it is so easy to rest on my laurels. And what does that mean? To drift into selfishness. It is so easy. What is the root of my problems? It is still here. The root is going to be inside me for the rest of my life. And for the rest of my life, I am going to be growing in understanding and effectiveness and we'll have to watch out 
for selfishness in all of its forms. Pass. Thank you, Helena. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Eileen. Hi, this is Kathy in Boston. I heard Eileen and Kathy and somebody in between. Melanie. Sharon. Mm, Melanie. Sharon. Okay, let's go with Irene and then Melanie, and then we'll go on. Okay, thanks. It's Eileen, and I'm calling from Bedford, Mass. Um, I absolutely adore this paragraph. It talks about me uh, specifically um, that I need to conclude my meditation with a prayer uh, that I should be shown all through the day what our next step is to be. And and since I've been back in program, I'm reminded of that now um, throughout the day if I uh, face something difficult to pause, to ask God for his will, not mine, because I'm used to reacting and acting compulsively on what I want, um, not on what is best for me what my higher power would want. Um, We ask especially for the freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. This is, I I get stuck on that one uh, because I do ask uh, my higher power for things that I think are best for me. And if I don't get them, I at least I have the awareness, the understanding that maybe that was not the best option for me. And I have to work on accepting it. Uh, Acceptance is hard. Uh, Acceptance is the first part of the program. Accept the fact that you're allergic to sugar and flour and that you can't eat those subjects, those uh, 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 products with sanity that they they produce such a craving in me that I can't stop eating them. Acceptance of that. And then the next thing when I get past that is to accept the other things going on in my life. Um, We're careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. It doesn't. I can attest to it. You know, um, I I had a, a major neuropsych test yesterday, and I was doing well. And I asked God, please, God, give me the knowledge or uh, whatever, the patience to be able to answer these questions. And I was in there from nine till twelve, and towards the end of it, I couldn't answer the questions anymore. It was too much for me. And this was all to decide whether or not I'm going to be able to get my license back. Well, you know what? It is what it is. Whatever happened, happened. And then I had a job interview afterwards. It is what it is. It's all about acceptance. So I could truly identify with this paragraph. And I'm grateful for all of you and for all of you who continue listening to me. Thank you very much. I pass. Thank you, Eileen. Melanie, go ahead, please. Hi, thank you, Melanie. Again, here recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I wanted to focus on um, we ask especially for freedom from self-will. 
and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. And this is reminding me about um, I am selfish and self-centered, that any thought or action for me based on my past experience that I developed over a great amount of time with great earnestness and vigorousness is that I'm going to find something that's in it for me. That's just my nature. Somewhere along the line, I have not come to a place where I'm completely unconditional in my requests or expectations of life at all. So this is reminding to wrap myself up and to put my head into a different perspective and ask for, for God's, God's help in making sure that that happens. I looked up the word self-will, and I found it very interesting. And the definition is stubborn or obstinate willfulness, as in pursuing one's own wishes and aims, a stubborn adherence to one's own will, desires at the expense of others. That's what self-will is. And if I understand that my will in itself is broken, add that selfish self-component to it, I am doomed. And here is a wonderful, beautiful caution again to wrap myself up in the idea and the protection of my higher power so that I can move forward in my day to be of maximum usefulness to those about me. And with that, I think I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Melanie. And now we will have Sharon and then Kathy. Sharon, go ahead, please. Hi, Monica. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Uh, oh, gosh, I just want to thank, this is Sharon, compulsive reader in Colorado. I just want to thank everyone who shared on these uh, paragraphs. I've just written a whole bunch of notes that uh, just sharing um what it's beginning to mean to me is that um, this period of meditation is is what I must do to continue to grow in my um, my step with uh, God. And uh, when I heard uh, you share, Monica, about the privilege to pause and pray and ask God, um, that's what I see is happening more and more in my life today because my first reaction is to, uh, you know, is to respond uh, the opposite way, the way I used to. But I'm seeing over and over again that God is showing me, especially if I have something that was scheduled for the day and then it, for whatever reason, it doesn't work out and then, you know, I'm at loose ends, well, now what do I do? And so it's like, okay, God, show me what you want me to do right now. And sometimes it's, it's um, you know, I always think I have to be doing something, doing something, doing something. And so um, it's just so wonderful to be able to uh, do what we're told to do here, um, to just relax, to take it easy. We don't have to struggle. And, and God will show me the next, next right step he wants me to take. And uh, so I'm just so grateful um, to seeing this. Uh, begin to come alive in my heart and in my mind and to see that God's power at work in me truly can do things that I didn't think were possible. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Sharon. Kathy, go ahead, Kathy. Thanks, Monica. This is Kathy, a recovered compulsive reader in Massachusetts. Uh, thanks, everyone, for these wonderful shares. They're so helpful to me. And I wanted to say that... Um, this step, 
step 11, uh, like all the steps actually, but I'm very aware of this right now, my ability and willingness to carry it out has grown over time. When I first got to step 10 after completing the inventory work, um, I felt so good because I now recognized all my negative thinking and how I had created problems for myself and other people that I don't think I really appreciated how if I didn't work 10 and 11 really well, I was going to fall back into that negative thinking. And in a way, I was um, uh, a bit, I was not staying humble and I was feeling pretty good about what I had accomplished. And so when I first started working 10 and 11, I didn't really put my all into it. And I can remember, especially on step 11, um, sitting and doing the prayers that I wanted to do in the morning and then forgetting for the rest of the day to pause. Um, And it was only through my sponsor's questioning that I began to see I was falling back into self-reliance. And it took me a really long time to realize that my mind was still sick and would always be sick without relying on God. Um, I am so grateful. It's because of this group and, and my fellows helping me along the way that I have gotten better and more willing to pause throughout my day. And it's very, very clear to me now when I flip back into self-reliance, I'm much more aware of it. I catch it more quickly. And I know exactly what I need to do, which is to sit quietly, pause, and ask for help. With that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is is Sally. It's Sally. Go ahead. Uh, Sally and then Vered. Thank you. This is Sally, recovered compulsive overeater down in South Jersey. I just love this step 11. It's just precious. But I must say that I, I was sitting here thinking to myself as we were reading, we usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be. So I was sitting here thinking, wow, it's just amazing. So I traded Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, and all my other crazy diets for for what? What is this? Is this a diet? What is this? And I just marvel that ultimately what I have found out, and, and by the way, uh, it's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of living that has led me to lose 70 pounds in the last year, 15 months of my life. And it's the only thing that works for me. And so what is it that is being presented that actually works because it does work? But I believe what it is is that I was turning to food because I didn't want to turn to God. I was self-reliant, and I, it wasn't enough for me because I wasn't enough to meet my needs. And I needed a higher power that was more than enough that could meet my needs so that I didn't have to feed my face, shove food down my throat to numb the pain and the fear that my life wasn't going well because I was running it on self-reliance instead of turning 
the key word turning made a decision to turn in step three to my higher power. And it leads me ultimately after cleaning away the wreckage of my past, it leads me to living daily in a certain way, not living in a diet mentality, but living with a lifestyle where I am daily walking with my higher power holding my hand. And over and over in these paragraphs, we see words like relax, take it easy, we don't struggle. That certainly was not my experience prior to walking through these steps in this last year. I never was able to relax, take it easy, and not struggle because I was, I was living life on my terms not surrendered, not accepting, not living according to a lifestyle that is actually being presented here that works. And I finally come to this paragraph, and after awakening and praying and awakening and meditating uh, and going to God and not just, you know, prayer to me is speaking, meditating is me listening, and it's no accident that God gave me two eyes to see, two ears to hear, two nares in my nose, and one mouth to cut in half the damage I might do with it. And here I come to concluding after praying, after meditating, I'm going to conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that one, we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be. So I'm going to let my higher power order my steps. Two, that I be given what I need, not necessarily what I want, but what I need to take care of whatever problems crop up. Three, that I especially, that I ask especially for freedom from self-will. And that usually cuts out all fear, all character flaw, if I would just ask him to repeatedly remove my self-will and help me to keep my hands open, upturned, and willing to respond as he leads. And four, Four has an A and a B, which is interesting. Are careful and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. And it goes on to say, uh, two lines down, we are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends, which is the same thing basically, said a little bit differently. So we have twice we're being told again and again, not praying for me, 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 but setting my focus on how can I be of use to my God? What? an incredible program. Thanks for letting me share, Monica, and everyone have a wonderful weekend. With that, I pass. Thank you, Salad. Varid, go ahead, Varid. Hi, this is Varid, a recovered compulsive overeater from Jerusalem. I love this step. I think it's the first time in my life that I, you know, that I'm committed to not take an action and sit and listen. And this is so much the opposite of the source and the root of the disease of taking control, um, trying to control others, trying, you know, the strong self-will. And it doesn't go away because we are not cured. We're recovered. And we are told that belief without an action is going to die. And here, the action, the end of, of, uh, of uh, the step 11 the action that we're supposed to take is to sit quietly and meditate. 
And I think the program that the best and, and the largest and the greatest gift that I received from the program is the willingness to pause and not to know and to listen and to be willing to have an open heart and an open mind to whatever God wants from me and not try to plan it myself. And whenever I am willing to just sit and listen and be open with my heart and with my mind to whatever God wants from me, I always it's always a miracle and I always receive a gift. And I pray for me and for each one on, on this line and, you know, to all compulsive overeaters um, to have the willingness to sit quietly daily and just listen and pray to listen more and more quietly without having any selfish personal initiative and without I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Varid. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? It's Irini. Irini, go ahead. Thank you, Monica. Good morning, my spiritual fellows and sisters, brothers and sisters. My name is Irini, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. So I'm, I'm very careful what I practice. For what I practice, I become really good at. I used to just practice self-will. I was really good at that. Well, thank God today, now I practice God's will. And I'm really improving on what I'm practicing on on a daily basis. Basis. So even though it goes against my natural way of behaving, to come out of my human way of living my life and to now be able to view life through spiritual eyes, wow. You know, it, it allows me to practice and be consistent on putting God first before myself and others. Practice, practice, practice leads to change. If we don't practice, we're not going to change. And turning my behavior into good habits by repeating and practicing thy will, not mine, be done. So I'm constantly rehearsing how I am going to show up in life. I'm training myself this new way of living, repeating my new habits by exercising all these directions from the book and living and thinking and feeling in a new way of living. And it's just it's so exciting. It's, it's, it's getting out of my old ways, and it's getting into a new routine. And that new routine becomes stronger and stronger, just as long as I need to practice that on a daily basis. And it becomes this new pattern of living. And the results, oh, my gosh, the results. It's God is doing for me what I could never, ever, ever do for myself. And I'm so excited for that, and and I'm even more excited to share that with you. And it's possible. It's possible just as long as we're willing to change. And this whole program is about change. I thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Edini. And this is Monica, and I'm going to, I'd like to jump in here for a moment. So here we are, at, we are being asked, um, we ask especially, we're praying to God here, we ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. But then it turns around and it says, we may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be help. And this was a little confusing to me in the beginning. 
But now it's like, are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. You know, when I stop to think about it, what did I pray for before? You know, I prayed for, uh, let me wake up and be a size 10 tomorrow morning. Uh, I prayed for, um, you know, oh, let me wake up and have uh, $500 in my checking account tomorrow. Uh, you know, me, myself, and I was what I was praying for. I was just hoping for all these things to magically happen and I not have to work or do anything for them. And it says, be careful. Be careful. We can't do these things. And it says, you know, this stuff didn't do anything. We've wasted a lot of time doing that and it doesn't work. And yes, experience, my experience in history has shown me that, yeah, that did not work. Those type of prayers did not work. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. Okay, and I was told here to be careful. Be careful. What are your motives? Why are you asking this, Monica? What's your motive underneath this? Check your motives. Are they good or not so good? And I think what they're trying to get us to say now here, we may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. And I think a perfect example of that is the prayer of St. Francis. That's the type of prayer where we are praying and we're asking that we be better human beings, but the full underneath the motive is to be a help to somebody else. And with that, I'm going to pass and I would like to, we've come to the end of our time, and I would like to thank everyone who has shared. And we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Kim, can you please read a vision for you? My pleasure. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then. Thank you, Kim. I will ask everyone now to press star 1 to unmute so we can say the serenity.